Legend, history, memory. Stories form the fabric of life itself. We pull threads to make sense of our perceptions. I'm Tristan Crocker. This is That's Telling. Episode 8, The Kings Train I ride, sixteen coaches long Train I ride, sixteen coaches long Well that long black train got my baby and gone This is the first verse to the song Mystery Train performed by Elvis Presley and written by blues musician Junior Parker It's also the namesake of a film by director Jim Jarmusch His movie follows various people around Memphis, Tennessee. These include two Elvis-obsessed Japanese teenagers, an Italian widow staying at an Elvis-themed hotel with a desk clerk played by none other than Screaming Jay Hawkins, and an out-of-work man from England referred to as Elvis by those who know him, played by Joe Strummer of The Clash. This cross-cultural travel of the icon known as Elvis Presley is something that became foundational in the way we view famous performers. From Bob Dylan, Prince, and David Bowie, to Madonna and Jack White. While the black music of the American South had acquired white performers before Elvis Presley, Elvis brought the sometimes contradictory physical viscerality, as well as gospel elements, into the otherwise sheltered white living rooms and kitchens in the 1950s, ultimately giving way to the Beatles, and the structure of the pop music world as we know it today. Paula Kent Funeral Home. Paul Kent works as a funeral director and has performed as an Elvis tribute artist. I have a date for you here. I guess the first time I ever saw Elvis was on Sunday, August or Sunday, September the ninth, nineteen fifty-six. He appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. So I was about, uh, I give or take, around five years old. And I remember being up that Sunday night and watching him perform, and I was just taken back with him. That night he performed Don't Be Cruel and Love Me Tender. As I got older and I learned more about him, I was very touched how much he cared about his own family, his mother and father, how he took care of them. By, and once he had made it fairly big that he bought them their own home to get them out of the apartment they were living in. And then finally he ended up buying Graceland where they all lived and until like his mom passed away. And I was always very impressed with how Elvis cared for his mom and dad. He was very, very close to his own mother. And I sort of reflected that in my own life as being close to my mom. And um, he really has influenced my life completely, Um, even up until today. um, He always wanted to take care of people and be kind to people. And that's the way I, I try to handle people through my profession and through my own personal life. He grew up in a little place in Mississippi called Tubelo. His family moved up to Memphis, I think, when he was in about grade nine. And he attended Humes High School there, graduated from there. And uh, actually, he went into becoming an electrician. And I know, like, one day he went into Sun Records and made a demo, and that was to be a gift for his mom. 
And the, the lady that was there recorded him and said to the owner, this guy has been in. I think this is what you're looking for. And uh, he didn't listen to the tape until a couple of months later. And then he said to her, try and get in touch with him and get him in here. And he did. And the first two or three days of recording Elvis, nothing happened until he went into that song, That's All Right, Mama. And that was it. That's how his career started. One of the first things that he did uh, was he bought his mom a Cadillac when he first, you know, broke into the scene. Bought her a pink Cadillac. Graceland is 13 acres, and when Elvis bought it, it was on more or less the outskirts of Memphis, and Memphis, of course, is all growing around it. And one of the times I was there, like we. Uh, we took a tour of, of Graceland. It really felt very odd, like when you would go and get your tickets, and they would, in those days, the first time was you'd walk across the street and go through the gates up to Graceland, and the people would talk with, but once they entered into the gates of Graceland, you found that there was more of a silence. Once you entered in through that front door, nobody talked. They all just listened to the people that were giving the tours, Nowadays, they don't have people giving the tours. You have a like a tape that you follow around and that. But I have always noticed it's like very, very silent. It's almost like you're you're in his home. We were there one time at Great at Memphis, and we met a waitress, and she explained to us. She said the people of Memphis do not go to Elvis's home. It's the tourists that go. We feel that it's invading his privacy to go to his own home. And so that shows how much respect they have for him. You know? What is my favorite? Probably Return to Sender. Yeah. And that was from one of his movies that he did. Uh, and it's about sending a letter to a girl and it keeps get, coming back all the time in the boat. Uh, you know, sending it special, special D, special delivery, and she still sends it back. And... Return to Sender is a song written by Winfield Scott and Otis Blackwell. Brooklyn-born Otis Blackwell was a black singer and songwriter and is responsible for a lot of the famous songs we associate with the very essence of early rock and roll, including Great Balls of Fire and All Shook Up, to name a couple. And that's, sort of, that's one of my favorite songs because it was in one of his movies and um, just, you know, just, it's just a, a really, really good song. Now, have I ever sung that when I perform? No, never have. Because it wasn't a huge million seller for him. But no. And uh, I guess, um, I guess if you want to ask me about a gospel song, it's How Great Thou Art. He, he was a very religious person. He was brought up in a very religious family. And um, he is well, well known for all of his gospel singing. And I happen to know through personal contacts I've learned over the years that when he would perform in Las Vegas, it would be nothing for them to go upstairs to the uh, suite or floor that they had rented after his last performance and stay up to five or six o'clock in the morning just singing gospel songs because that was his real love was gospel music. I used to do tribute. I used to do a tribute to to Elvis. I would do it for a fundraiser for our community. I never tried to make money on it myself. I just wanted to go out and just sort of entertain the people. Uh, it's a completely different world to what I live in. 
I'm a funeral director, so we live sort of a very quiet life um, and that sort of thing. But um, when I have done Elvis, and I guess I'll talk to you about the really first big show that I did, I did. Uh, um, I was at our curling club here in Cookstown, and I uh, was brought in like I was hidden away in a hotel. My wife didn't even know where I was. She was one of my female backup singers. Uh, I phoned her about mm, an hour and a half, two hours before I was to go up on stage. And I got her and I said, like, are there many people there? And she said, yeah, the place is just packed. And our curling club, and so I said, what do you mean it's packed? Well, she said, there's over 400 people and they're still coming. And she said, I might as well tell you that every half hour they're pounding the stage, we want Elvis, we want Elvis. And she said to me, um, you better give them the performance of a lifetime. So, you know, just no no pressure at all on you, okay? You're not Elvis, but no pressure. And I was picked up by a chauffeur, by a chauffeur-driven limousine, and I was brought to near our curling club. And then two guys got in that I was in Lions, and they had Elvis Presley bodyguard jackets on. And we sort of kitted around a little bit and pulled up into the back of the curling club and when they opened the big doors to the curling club, they just went into hysterics. Everybody in there went just crazy. And before we stepped out of the limousine, I said to the two guys, okay, the joke's over with. you got to protect me from these people. And I, uh, they did a terrific job. They weren't professional bodyguards at all. They were just lion members. But they split the crowd, and I was able to go right through and go up on stage and and do, uh, I guess that night I did about a 45 minute to an hour show. I ended up having, uh, oh, I don't know, as many as maybe eight people up on stage with me because Elvis never did shows alone. And the show was over, out to the limousine, and he's gone because Elvis never came back. The biggest show Paul played was to a thousand people. That was unbelievable to me. I I was at a high school in Stovall. I wasn't, well, I have family down there, but I was, didn't go to school there or anything. And I'll be honest with you, the teachers were more crazy than the students. Because uh, when I would do a show, I'd always give out scarves, teddy bears, things like that at the shows. And, uh, and that's what made it more interesting for the people, because they knew it all had come from Graceland. I'd bought and paid for it myself. I attend, uh, I attend up in Collingwood, the Elvis Festival. I get there pretty well every year. There's the odd year I don't get there. Um, I have met a lot of different of the performers or not, and uh, I've got to know people up there. I have um, also had the great pleasure of meeting Elvis's wife, Priscilla Presley. I met her in Collingwood about three years ago, and then I also met her at Rama, and... Um, and I have never had the pleasure of meeting Lisa Marie, but I wouldn't be surprised someday that I do. That's his daughter. Um, I was very taken back with Priscilla. I can understand why Elvis married her, because she's a very down-to-earth, very pleasant lady. Good morning. Rosemary O'Brien here. Rosemary O'Brien works year-round for the Collingwood Elvis Festival. The festival started in 1995. And it started, believe it or not, in one room out at what was known then as the Vacation Inn. And it was started by an Elvis tribute artist named Billy Can. Billy had a, an Elvis fan club. He was not only a tribute artist, but he also 
uh, was a huge Elvis fan. So they had this fan club. So um, he started this, like I say, in one room. There was about 35 tribute artists, I would say, back then. There was maybe 1,000 people, 2,000 at best. Um, and then one of those people who went to that event was a resident here in town, uh, Karen Berland. And she thought it was a really unique idea. So she said, you know, it could move into town. So it did. And it started with a street party, and it just continually started to grow. So the concept took off. Billy was no longer involved with it at that point. It was run on a 50-50 ownership basis by the Chamber of Commerce and the BIA. And it was all a volunteer management board at that point. And they were looking for somebody, and I happened to be... um, Believe it or not, on uh, Ontario Works at that time, looking for a job, I was volunteering with the chamber. And when I found out, they recommended me into the position. So I started off as the office clerk and then moved to office manager. And then when the town took over, virtually took over in 2003, I became the general manager. I've been with it 19 years. It is now internationally recognized. We've won awards, we get Celebrate Ontario grants, we get tribute artists from all over the world, and we have had the most we've ever had was about 146 tribute artists registered. So it has grown exponentially, and now it covers an entire weekend. By the time you uh, figure out a schedule, uh, figure out your theme, hire the guys you want for that theme, schedule everything, we also have what we call independent associate venues, which are other bars and restaurants who want to get involved and have Elvis Entertainment. So I have to go out, I secure those venues, I help them figure out who their best uh, tribute artists would be, you know, to make themselves some money and have a good uh, following. We also work with the not-for-profit organizations to try to give them opportunities to fundraise. We've worked with Breaking Down Barriers, Elephant Thoughts, some churches. We are always looking to improve it and keep it fresh because back then we were kind of like the big dog on the hill and uh, there weren't many festivals. Now there are a ton of them out there. Uh, It takes me all year to make sure that I've got the contracts in place, got the schedules done, you know, got the tribute artists and the venues lined up, and there's vendors, but we contract that out. We now are considered one of the, what they call the preliminary locations for the ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest in Memphis. Back in 2005, Memphis never really... uh, had much to do with tribute artists. They were Elvis-centric, obviously. And then I remember saying, you know what? You guys need to step off of Memphis soil and see what all of these festivals are trying to do. So they did. They came from Memphis, and they were stunned. And we helped them uh, uh, culminate the idea of having a tribute artist 
um, contest because obviously they are the big dog. They're Memphis, you know, they're Graceland. So we are a qualifying round for that competition. And our claim to fame uh, uh, that I'm very proud of is we're literally the only festival outside of Memphis who Priscilla Presley has came to. She came here in 2014. She came for our 20th anniversary. Elvis Presley Enterprises was gracious enough. They came and uh, presented us with a beautiful trophy um, of our statuette they had custom made of Elvis, and they presented it to us. It's up here on my shelf. So um, it's been uh, it's been a very wild ride. I had four goals when I took this job, and the last goal was to get Priscilla Presley here to Collingwood, and I've done that. So in essence, I could die a happy woman now. <laughs> I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with her. Uh, she's a very very lovely woman. Uh, I could see why Elvis would be in love with her. They were promoting a book called Shades of Elvis. It was about the um, the historic sunglasses that he wore, and he had them, or, or Priscilla, pardon me, had them taken from Graceland, and all kinds of celebrities were asked to wear them. Some were so intimidated they wouldn't wear the glasses. Saturday night, we have a uh, headliner show, it's called our uh, signature showcase on Saturday night. Theme changes every year. I come up with those themes. I'm the uh, Elvis fan in the crowd, if you will. We always have two or three major champions, and I'm talking headliners from Memphis that have won the ultimate contest or Las Vegas headliners, something that the fans normally don't get to just see every day. The festival sees anywhere from 20 to 30,000 people over the course of that weekend. Our uh, competition is three rounds. So we have that. We have a gospel uh, showcase out on our street that's free as well. We have all-day entertainment on Saturday on our stage outside, free as well. Uh, we have a what we call Dance to the Legends. It's in one of the independent venues, and it has obviously a content of Elvis, because that's our mandate, but then it also uh, pays tribute to other legends. Uh, there's been um, Roy Orbison, Buddy Holly, uh, Patsy Klein. It is a sold-out show every year. It's at our Legion. When I go to them, I, I don't get to go for the whole, like, three or four days. I just get to go to different parts of it. Um, and we'll say, for example, at Collingwood, I, I've been up on the Friday night uh, there to the street dance that they have where every performer performs, does one or two songs, and people dance in the street and that. And um, it, it's really quite something because people are enjoying themselves and they're sort of like reliving their past. Like I've been up for the... Uh, Sunday morning for the gospel service and I, I'm always shocked how many thousands of people they get out for a gospel service at 8.30 in the morning on the street on a Sunday morning and I uh, I have been up for the, the finals very very good good artists up in Collingwood performing but Collingwood's not the only place that has that There uh, there's, a, there's a performance in Tweed Ontario a weekend down there in August that you can go down I understand that there's, in Vancouver, I think that there's an Elvis festival, and there's numerous of them throughout the United States.
What's it like for someone who doesn't do this for a living to be under such pressure to perform? Like, you're scared, but you're also know that, like, these people are there to have a good time. And I, I can honestly tell you, I know for a fact that Elvis was always afraid he'd get booed off the stage, which he never did. And I was afraid of that, too. Never happened. started really as a joke. Uh, in our Lions Club, we'd have a Christmas party, and I guess it was 1984, and Santa was always coming to the Christmas party, okay? Um, and this year, I w- that year, I was president of Lions, and the guy that had been past president, we were together in the kitchen one night at our place, at our funeral home, and just said, look, it, you know, it's the same old, same old stuff all the time. What about if we try something different? And I said, okay. And he said, you know, uh, like, what about if we, you know, do an entertainer? And I said, sure. I said, who are you thinking about? I don't know. And I said, well, what about Elvis? And he said, yeah, that would be great. You'll do Elvis, eh? And I said, sure. And so um, uh, we never told him that Elvis was coming or anything that night. There was about 20 people at it. And uh, I had gone down to Toronto and rented a costume. I had got scarves from some store to give out sort of thing and a couple of teddy bears. And I never thought anything of it. And then I... uh, and then I came, and uh, he met me at the back door of this uh, of our community hall here, and he went in, and the chair was up on stage for Santa to arrive, and he took the chair off, and he went up, and he said, Now, you people all think Santa Claus is coming tonight. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, Santa ain't coming tonight. We got something bigger and better for you. And uh, he said, You know, direct from Las Vegas, Nevada, I give you the one and only Elvis Presley, and I came into the 2001 theme and got up on stage and did a few numbers for 15 minutes, and that went over so big that we stayed, and we ended up sort of having a Lions meeting after and decided, look, we've got to do this. This is, this, we could, you know, draw a lot of people. This, this is great, and that's how that started, and I'll be honest with you, I lived in fear that it would hurt our business. Terrible, okay? And, I, I just felt like that it would, you know, that the people wouldn't come to us for funerals or anything like that because you, you know, you're doing Elvis Presley. and But that was completely the wrong thing. It really has brought business here. I, I'd have people come in that would do donations to the Cancer Society, and they'd say to me, could you sign the receipt from Elvis Presley? And I'd say, um, no, I don't think Revenue Canada will accept that. But I always made sure I made no money on it. I was there just to to give the, the community, to give people a really good time. You know, it, it's helped me to look after people, you know, um, I would say better than, uh, like, you know, he, he's, he gave me that insight into, you know, just you just be there to help people. And Elvis struggled for many, many years. The whole family did. I, I know that they used to go to the food bank and that in Memphis. And after Elvis made it big and, like, basically from 57 onward, he always made sure that he donated to the, all the charities around Christmas time in Memphis.
I keep getting asked even now when I do a show and I keep saying no I, I'm retired from that because you know Elvis left us when he was 42 and I'm not even close to that age I'm a lot older than that and it takes a lot out of you because we would have rehearsals we would uh, have um, not a dress rehearsal but the night before you do the show we, we would have a rehearsal We, we did it as much as we could to make it like that Elvis was in the building. That's Telling is written and created by Tristan Crocker. That's me. All of the music heard throughout the show is by Paul Crocker. I extend a massive thanks to Mr. Paul Kent and Rosemary O'Brien from the Collingwood Elvis Festival. If you live in or around the Guelph, Ontario area, that's telling can be heard every Wednesday at 2 on CFRU 93.3 FM, streamed live at CFRU.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a story you'd like to hear us cover, write to thisisthatstelling at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.